Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Hey, Julie, it's October the 16th. Yes, and Friday. And Friday, yeah. Like that matters, really. I know. It all kind of runs together. <laughs> it does. No, well, and I was going to say no podcasts on the weekend, but the Sunday show will be coming up. So yeah. And we can pre-warn them about how that'll go. And unfortunately, I have three appointments tomorrow morning. Did I tell you about that? No. Yeah, such is the way. It's okay. Yeah. It's all right. Exactly. Life in paradise. Well, I will tell you, it is quite interesting how the real estate market, because of the COVID thing, it really assumes like all this buyer activity and seller activity really was sort of pushed forward by the equivalent of the amount of months that everyone was sort of, you know, enforced quarantine. And it looks like we're carrying in this huge, momentous, uh, you know, housing surge well into next year, which is incredible. Absolutely, we are. And interest rates are going to stay low. Uh, it continues to be a story of inventory for most places. You know what I find especially fascinating is, you know, you and I sold real estate for a long time, coached for even longer, is that normally in November and December, it's sort of like this sort of uh, reprieve in essence. You know, there, mm-hmm. there is less, tran- there are fewer transactions, still plenty of things selling, but you know, fewer transactions, fewer buyers and sellers. Traditionally, for like you know a billion years, that's how it's been. I don't think it's going to be that way this year. I don't either. I, yeah. I think you're right. Traditionally, it's been like the market takes a little breath around the holidays, right. fires up a little bit at the beginning, and then everybody's waiting for spring, and then spring's the traditional market. But I, I mean, I we've got a vacant rental property, and it's got tons and tons of showings set up this weekend. So yep. it, it's pretty much everywhere. FOMO, man. You know, fear yeah. of missing out it is alive and well. And you add to it the interest rates and whatnot. I, it's really incredible. I've never, you know, we've no. never experienced anything. In our, and so the other th- element to this is, is, is also interesting is how opportunistic agents need to be this time of year. Because most agents, now, so go back to the idea that traditionally this has been a slower time. So most sure. agents have used that as an excuse to essentially be lazy. Take a break. It's yeah. not unusual for brokerages back when there was actual brick and mortar broker- brokerages, you know, back in the olden days, right? Mm-hmm. That, that it wasn't unusual for them to, in, a, in essence, be closed this time of year. You know, they would be open, you know, maybe half days or, you know, they're trying to save costs. So there's no need to have a receptionist if no one's transacting, you know, save the money, all the rest of it. And it's kind of a joke. If you walk into a real estate office, really, into this month, you guys just mark our words, drive past real estate brokerage offices, and you're going to see the number of cars, COVID aside, you're going to see the number of cars in the parking lot be essentially a handful. And it's just because traditionally most agents just assume that there's no deals to do this time of year. And so they use this as an excuse to sort of unplug. And that has made sense for a lot of people in the industry, except for top producers. Because top producers, the agents, and I remember it was our into our second year in real estate when we were in our early 20s where we figured this out because um, someone told us, you mm-hmm. know, they said you don't want to be slacking in fourth quarter because the reality of it is, is fourth quarter is the easiest time to go after business because so few agents are in the market. And most agents that are, um, you know, have listings that they're going to be taking in the spring, they're just assumptive that those sellers will list with them. And so if you, uh, you know, do your job with intensity in fourth quarter, you're going to carry huge momentum into, you know, obviously the new year. And that's what we did. And that we did that every year after that. And it really does make sense. But now you have the uh, incredible real estate market 
market and you have the you know combination of the incredible real estate market combined with most agents not realizing that this is going to be probably the best fourth quarter of their lives if they just stay focused and then you have interest rates and then you have you know all these other things my gosh guys if you are not focused if you're not really being opportunistic right now you're missing what might be one of the greatest fourth quarters in the history of real estate actually i think i heard something or read something this morning i was reading news articles uh, for our website um, something about like there's the number of you know what oh you told me something that, that's actually something from a coaching client you just told me this like 15 minutes ago the houses in this gals market oh, in yeah, oregon in, in idaho and idaho now, I, don't, I don't know about you but i don't think many people think of idaho as being like a bellwether market the way they do like la or miami or manhattan or something like that but um, she's had several instances where they're getting twice the price they did in since 2018. Right. Where there's multiple bids on just a, a dirt lot, nothing on it. You're basically bidding on the ability to build something, right? Multiple offers on multifamilies. It's pretty much fast and furious, everything. And in fact, on my elite coaching calls this week, the topic was... If you want to find inventory, what are you willing to do that you don't normally do? Or is your plan to wait until something pops up in the MLS and then race to go show it? Uh, or, and, you know, especially listing agents who want those because the listing agent always wins. So we had a list of four or five things that that is very effective, but none of them are wait for the MLS. Things like prospecting property management companies yep. that don't take listings. Or if you're in a vacation area, you should prospect VRBOs. You should prospect for rent by owners. Yes. You need to be more creative. You and definitely the, you need know, to. The great thing about that is the phone numbers are easier. And right. And that's one of the number one things agents like to complain about. I can't get a phone number. Well, property management, VRBO, um, smaller investors that have homes for rent. I, I know my phone's going to blow up because the rental, you know, people are going to be like, do you want to sell it? Do you want to sell it? And we use a property manager, but yeah. there's a lot of home, there's a lot of investors that when they see a house go for rent, they then call and try to get, well, you guys all know this, right? Then yeah. they'll find out, they'll do a public search for your contact information and they'll, you know, obviously ask if you want to sell it. And that's smart. I mean, really, it they're is. being opportunistic. So really, at the end of the day, guys, I know it's tempting to want to, you know, kick your proverbial feet up on your proverbial desk and just sort of coast for the rest of the year, but please don't do that. And if you're not building momentum into the next year, that means you're going to have to build momentum at the same time everybody else is, which means it's going to be 10x harder because you're then having to you know, compete more. And then there's so much noise in the channel from so many other agents offering so many different things. And again, you add in the iBuyers and the rest of it. And we do have a, a fresh topic for you guys today. And the topic is? Yes, the topic is actually also from the Harris Rules book. This is actually part of the appendix. And in the appendix, I have all kinds of interesting little, um, you know, maybe not as long as a chapter, but things that are going to help them. This is called Seven Qualities of the Best Brokers, Managers, and Team Leaders. And I like to add also coaches would be in that category. So what are the qualities you're actually looking for in a broker or a team leader? So so before Julie gets to her first point, I want to remind all of you guys, we are still accepting people into the free coaching program. And if you want to be part of the free coaching program, just text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. I think by the end of this year, we'll have had over 10,000 agents join the free coaching program. So you definitely want to get on board with that. And now here's the cool thing about the free coaching program. We were just talking about building momentum into the new year. And we're obviously going to get back to the top for today's show. But building momentum to the new year, some of you don't know how to do it. That's the reason we created the 90-day massive action plan. And the 90-day massive action plan is included with the free coaching program. And the 90-day massive action plan literally gives you a day-by-day exact action plan of what you should 
be doing. And I got, you know, good news for you. Nothing in the 90-day massive action plan is going to entail spending money buying leads. It's all going to be skills-based and effort-based because those are the things that are going to get you the results the quickest, right? You know, that's really at the end of the day what our coaching program is all about. Drill down practical tactical solutions. So if you want to join the free coaching program, just text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. Yes, that's right. And the cool thing about the 90-day massive action plan in particular is that it's great for any level of agent, any level of experience, because it's not asking you to spend a bunch of money. I have a lot of our more grizzled veterans that love that because it gives them a 90-day snippet just to focus on that quarter. For a lot of people, that's easier than having some kind of yearly plan where you figure, I've got 11 months left. I can slide a little bit. So 90-day massive action plan, guys. All right, so seven qualities of the best brokers, managers, and team leaders. Before we get into those seven things, there are actually three ways to make those qualities practical and applicable to you personally. Number one, are you a broker, manager, or team leader, or you know, possibly some combination of that? See the qualities that we're going to talk about and assess if you have them. If so, make the commitment to always maintain them. And if not, prioritize what you've got to do to actually get those qualities. Or you might be in danger of losing agents or team members. Number two, does your broker, manager, or team leader have these qualities? If not, might be time to make a change. And number three, if you are your own broker running your own show, adopt and adapt the qualities to be a great leader for yourself since you are your own leader. So that's how to make it practical and tactical. Now, we did review on um, a past podcast about um, our philosophy on teams, and we gave the exact drill down solution for scaling up your real estate practice. And I want to make it really, really clear, and because we had some a lot of, frankly, questions after that podcast, because people, agents, had said they'd been getting a lot of pressure, and they felt like a lot of times it was essentially uh, premature for them, and they were getting pressure mostly from their you know, brokers and office managers to start adding staff members. The problem with adding staff members and overhead and liability before you've actually mastered a lot of the the elements, the key most important thing elements of your real estate business is that you're then going to be putting people in place that you're not going to be able to have the skill set to truly monitor because you never actually mastered it yourself. So it's very, very important you do things in a logical order. Otherwise, what you're going to do is you're going to have to spend money to compensate for essentially the you know the latency that's in your business, and that's going to happen. Uh, it happens all the time. So if you've not yet learned, you know, we're going to tell you the qualities of a great leader in essence here. But if you've not yet learned how to you know master the really the five or six critical things that are income producing in the real estate business, please don't even think about adding staff. I know the idea of having a team and all that, it feels seductive, right? You're going to be making money you know, from people's other people's efforts and the rest of it, but that's not really how it works in real estate. What you're going to do is you're going to add sales staff. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. And then you're going to replace the time you are actually spent working directly with the buyers and sellers to managing the people that are now working with the buyers and sellers for you. And your margins uh, go through the floor. So just, I'm, again, I, I'm really you know concerned for our industry because so many of you guys are given so much pressure to start essentially building these teams when you've not yet actually learned how to be a successful business person. Do things in order. And I'll give you a little secret. You might discover, as many of our top coaching clients have, that once they actually 
actually have done things in order. They know how to proactively lead generate. They know how to pre-qualify. They know how to present. They know how to negotiate. They know how to close. They know how to do the things that are necessary for them to make money and they could do these things at a high level. They then choose not to build a big team because their margins are so essentially high, 50, 60, 70%. And I'm thinking of like Rob Johnson and um, you know Greenwich, Connecticut. He's the number one agent. It is, um, uh, it's a new brokerage name. They just actually changed brokerages. Harris, Doug, I don't remember. Anyway, so the name of the brokerage um, is a Doug, Douglas Stevenson. I don't remember. Okay. I wish I would have remembered. But anyway, the guy does $150 million per year. Rob's not hard to find online. <laughs> Rob Johnson, yeah. Rob's not hard to find online. He's you know one of the top agents in the country, obviously. And he has one assistant. How about that, guys? Mm-hmm. And a lot of – I was interviewing Jade Mills, and you guys know her from uh, you know California. I think she's with Prudential, Caldwell Banker. And I asked her about her team when I was interviewing her, and she just sort of paused and essentially said, I don't have a team. And I think that's really kind of shocking when people who have kind of gone to the, the the church of you must build a team, they find that almost confronting. Like, oh, my gosh, how can you actually sell that kind of production and not have a team? Well, the thing is, is a lot of these teams are selling all this huge production. They're actually not making any profit. And so what a lot of these top agents have chosen to do is they've chosen to focus on profit being the first priority of their business, not just what's left over maybe someday. So, again, as we go through these qualities of a leader, don't be seduced into believing that really at the end of the day, you have to lead anyone other than really yourself and maybe one transaction coordinator or something like that. That's exactly right. So the number, number one quality, the best brokers, managers, and team leaders actually stay on the front lines. They stay what you call frosty. They're not complacent. They know that inaction is an action. Let that settle in for a second. So ideally, they stay selling even if it's maybe not on the level that they did you know, a few years ago because now they're managing the team or the brokerage, but they do stay in front of their salespeople at all times. They're not hiding out. They're not hard to find. And in fact, the best ones actually have open office hours. You can use something like schedulonce.com or obviously Zoom, but they're not hiding out and they actually schedule it. We work with our, you know, a lot of our coaching clients that want to make sure that they're holding people accountable. It's a regular schedule thing. It's not just when you think about it or you freak out in the middle of the night. Brown, ha- Brown Harris Stevenson. I just go. remembered. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good. I, yeah. For Rob back. Johnson. Exactly. Okay. So they create an office environment, whether that's online or not, that fosters education and growth of skills, masterminds, reading lists, TED Talks, exposure to other successful people and companies, even if they're not in front of you physically all the time. They are fostering that type of culture. And I do have to point out that, you know, EXP does a really killer job of that with the education component and staying frosty and making sure that agents are getting what they need and that it's, you know, it's basically there all the time. Uh, Point number two, or, uh, you know, as I just read the word asset, sorry. (laughs) The best brokers, managers, and team leaders know that salespeople will never follow or trust you. And I put coaches into this category too. They won't follow or trust you if... You've never sold real estate before. You've never sold a lot of real estate and or are not still in the game on the front lines. And and there's a quote, I can't remember where we originally heard this, but game knows game. A good salesperson can smell another salesperson from a mile away. They know if you've been in it or not. I feel this, I mean, I'm on the coaching front lines every day, so I see this with people that have maybe tried something else out that didn't work. They know. Maybe they don't know on the first call, but they know. Well, you can sense it with all the, you know, 
the fake coaches basically. There's so yeah. many. It being a coach is something that it just it, there's no obvious you know requirement or regulations around if you call yourself a coach or not. By the way, if you're trying to decide whether you're going to hire a coach, which most of you need to consider doing, obviously I want you to consider us. But do cons- you know if you're going to be looking at what your options are, um, go to comparacoach.com. Comparacoach.com, and that's a website we put up years ago. And you, it's essentially the questions that you should be asking when interviewing a potential coach. So. So comparacoach.com. Yes, that's right. So number three, the best brokers, managers, and team leaders communicate constantly and clearly, and they readily support their agents. They have daily meetings, team huddles, mini motivation check-ins. Maybe they even have a private Facebook or workplace group to share ideas, wins, challenges, solutions. They use group chats on every device to provide accountability and availability. Again, they're not hiding out from you. John Maxwell said, a leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. So if you're not getting that, you might want to think about maybe making a switch. Okay, number four, the best brokers, managers, and team leaders keep a transparent scoreboard highlighting goals and holding agents accountable. They actually allow leaders to shine. They stoke the competition. They don't cringe at accountability or avoid confrontation if it helps team members learn, grow, and achieve greatness. They raise everyone up versus playing to the lowest player's level. And I have to say, I have seen that problem amongst brokerages sometimes where they don't really celebrate the front runner because, you know, we don't want to make everybody else feel bad. Or, you know, it just has kind of weird culture, I would say, is how I'd define that. Well, we were trying to essentially have everyone feel it's it's the participation trophy phenomena right. that's taken over a lot of uh, business think where they're, you know, it's crazy, guys. Look, the bottom line is there's always competitors and you're the greatest competitor you have. Oh, you guys think I'm going to say yourself that kind of true, but you're in real life, you have other competitors. There are real, real competitors out there that are chasing your same centers of influence and past clients, your same, same listing opportunities. If you think that those people are going to just list with you automatically, uh, you're wrong. And you have competitors now that are uh, Zillow and Open Door and all these other tech-based companies that are going to create a real viable option for uh, for consumers, sellers, uh, you know, specifically to start looking into. Those are your competitors. So for you to start, you know, this whole I think uh, woo-woo type thinking that my greatest competitor is myself. It's sort of kind of true, but not really. I mean, at the end of the day, there is true competition in every aspect of life. Don't hide from it. Embrace it. And then just become the best version of yourself as a sales professional. That's right. And Peter Drucker said, leadership is lifting a person's vision to high sights, the raising of a person's performance to a higher standard, the building of a personality beyond its normal limitations. That's what you guys are looking for. Number five, the best brokers, managers, and team leaders know that teams are great, but great salespeople want to be held individually responsible. They know that weak salespeople want to hide in a team. They detect weakness and help that player overcome it to thrive, or they can wean them off the team. They don't carry dead weight for very long. Great brokers and team leaders know that the good ones won't stick with you if they're not in an environment where they're challenged. So that's another little team issue. You know, but it's so funny that I had, that's such a great point. I know we've said that many times before, but that's often what happens is that the people that want to join a team, um, you know, you might look, it's the 1% rule. 1% of the people you have working for you are really going to be, or working in your brokerage and just in life in general, those are the ones that are going to be the outperformers. Those are the, you know, the gazelles in essence. But what you're going to discover is that when you have a brokerage, and I know this from having worked with eXp now intensely for the last two years, and we've done a lot of brokerage and teamwork where we're bringing brokerages and teams into, bro- uh, into uh, eXp. And when I look at their profit and loss statements, it is always the same. You know, 
know, if it's a brokerage with 100 people, uh, 100 agents, you're going to see that maybe 10 or 15 are selling, in essence, everything. And then you're going to have like 30, maybe even 35 that sell nothing. And yet they're on the rosters as, as being a, uh, you know agents of this brokerage. And that happens consistently. So what you've got to focus on in life in general, if, especially if you're running a business of any variety, especially a sales business, to Julie's point, is you want to focus on those 10 or 15 people. If you have a limited amount of energy and time, focus on the people that are your gazelles. Don't waste a lot of time trying to uplift the downtrodden with regards to those 35 people that don't sell anything. Don't worry about trying to change their mindset or don't worry about the rest of that. That's just the nature of how life works. And I don't know why it works that way. I know from a coaching perspective, it has, you know, forever has driven me crazy. Why is it that everyone can't achieve at a higher level? And, you know, the truth is, is that some people just choose not to. And maybe it's genetic. I really don't know. But a lot of people, they just won't put in the effort. They'll, they'll talk the talk, but then you look at the actions and there's no actions and there's certainly no results. Um, another little, uh, we're, we're hitting them with a lot of uh, little zingers today. Mm-hmm. But another one is, is you don't judge a person by what they say. You judge them by what they do. You judge them by the results that they get. Um, you know, and look for that. Those are the types of leadership qualities that you have to have. And if you're going to be, if you're going to, you know, position yourself in life as a leader and you're not recognizing the fact that a bulk of everything that happens in life comes down to essentially 1% of the people making the needle move, then you're never really going to be an effective leader because the people, that 1%, they're not going to want to work for you because you're not reinforcing them and appreciating them. You're spending too much time trying to uplift the downtrodden. That's right. And in fact, Theodore Roosevelt said the best executive is the one who has sense enough to pick good men and women to do what he wants done, but the self-restraint enough to keep the to keep yourself from meddling with them while they do it. So, yep. you know, you also have to let your front runners run and not be part of the problem. Uh, point number six or uh, tenant number six, the best brokers, managers and team leaders work with salespeople to establish their own particular goals to be achieved with or without a team. They use things like the real estate treasure map, which is the all-encompassing plan for success. This includes personal goals, accountability, knowing your financial picture, and your magic number. You know, all the stuff that we talk about and on by the way, all the time. Yep. And by the way, you guys get the real estate treasure map for free when you join the free coaching program. Just text the word survival to 31996. Text the word survival to 31996. Yes, that's right. A leader takes people where they want to go. A great leader takes people where they don't necessarily want to go, but ought to be. That's from Rosalind Carter. Okay. They know how to motivate two kinds of salespeople. Salespeople, number one, salespeople who don't have financial security and can't work efficiently, they often operate from fear mode. So, you know, a a really great team leader or a broker or a coach doesn't have just one type of client that they can make successful. So that's number one, somebody that's maybe operating from uh, financial insecurity and fear, but also salespeople who won't work unless they're in a corner or broke or, you know, work and earn and then lose what they have. A great coach or broker or you know, leader actually has different tools for different situations. They're they're not only good at say motivating the new agent. They, right. They're much more broad than that. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people perish. <laughs> How about that? So, uh, and one last thing, number seven, the best brokers, managers, and team leaders exude confidence. They lead calmly with control and low emotion. They set the tone of the practice, and they lead through doing. Not just saying what to do. That was your previous point, that it's Mm -hmm. not just what you say, it's what you do. They have obvious integrity, ethics, and motivation. Jack Welch said, before you're a leader, success is all about growing yourself. But when you become a leader, success is about growing others. So I think that's a lot of, if I were to summarize that, I would say being tuned in 
to who you are leading, even if that's yourself, or maybe it's just one assistant. Maybe you've got a small team. Maybe you're running a big brokerage, but you've got to really be tuned in. The thing I see agents do complain about, um, you know, not being able to get help quickly, feeling like they don't have any direction, that kind of thing. And if that's how you feel, you're probably in the wrong spot. So you don't need to go any further than modern culture to realize that most people don't know what true leadership qualities are. And I'm going to give you a real salient example. And I haven't talked to you about this, but it is fascinating. So there was this, there is a um, movement behind the idea of essentially carving out a niche as a a self-proclaimed expert. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of essentially gurus, online influencer types who will call themselves experts or call themselves coaches and whatnot that have really no experience in whatever the hell they're talking about. And it's just some sort of little passing fancy. But what's happened is, is that the culture, our culture, has started to put value on people that are just talking and not actually doing. This whole focus on being an influencer, this whole focus on being, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And it's all fake. And, And I wonder, I really, really do wonder. Unfortunately, I think I know what the answer is. But this whole generation of people that have come up that have been admiring all the fakery, you know, all the neurotic neuroses and all the, you know, braggadocious behavior on social, right, where all these people are sort of putting this, you know, almost it is a fake representation of themselves. And all these other than people are gravitating towards it. And that then becomes sort of, uh, you know, woven into the culture as the ideal what they're, what's not happening is there's no substance behind any of that. So then you guys are not discerning enough, most of you, who are to know who you should be listening to. And so you just latch on to some influencer who considers themselves an expert, but you don't drill down and to really determine whether you should be listening to that person in the first place. Yeah, because the filter has not been activated. Yes, exactly. You know, I see that even with, you know, I got to watch what Zoe's watching. She's almost seven but there's, there's like little kid influencers that play with toys and try and sell you stuff. And she just does, doesn't have a filter. She just wants something pink, right, sparkly. Right. You know? Well, but it, for, for adults, though, yeah. when, you, when you're like trying to decide the course of you know, how you should be behaving in real estate, for example, <laughs> and what you should be doing. And if you just essentially are uh, looking for essentially influencer status as being the filter for who you listen to, you're going to make a whole bunch of mistakes. And I'm going to give you, a, a, for example... There are a lot of internet marketing guys and gals, obviously, who essentially target uh, agents because they know agents aren't that discerning who they're going to listen to. And so what these internet marketer guys will go, go to is they'll go to agents who, again, they know the agents aren't going to pre-qualify whether they should be listening to them in the first place. And then they'll sell them some whiz-bang shiny idea. It, I have no idea how much money is generated per year off selling realtor stuff. These internet marketer types come up with all these gimmicks, Facebook marketing ads, Instagram marketing ads. I mean, there's whole coaching companies that are predicated on basically teaching you guys to do all this gimmicky stuff that doesn't, but you don't think to ask the questions like, should I be listening to this person? Has this person ever sold real estate? Have they sold real estate in a high level? How long have they been coaching? Can you prove the results that you're going to get from actual people that you're not paying to give testimonials to? Like really drill down. That goes back to comparecoach.com. But really, comparecoach.com doesn't even drill down enough on the tough questions, but you should go there at least get started with those being your questions. Because if you choose to follow somebody who's an influencer who doesn't really, you know, basically they're fake, you know, in essence, that is really what the world's come to a lot of times. You know, they're just a self-proclaimed expert on something, or I'm going to be a coach on this or on the other thing. And if you don't then 
have the sense to start asking the tough questions and you're going to very likely fall you know victim to a, a lot of wasted time from listening to a lot of people who are only trying to sell you on the idea who had no idea whether the results were going to be there to follow and i know again this sounds i don't even know how some of you are perceiving what i'm saying because i'm t- telling you the stone cold truth there are thousands of companies that have come up since 2007 there was a huge wave billions of dollars that was being you know, injected into the real estate industry because essentially Zillow started creating a lot of waves. And then all these other companies, the CRMs, the lead generators, the just every type of possible idea. Uh, there was a, you know, geo marketing. There was all these other, you know, things that came and went. And these companies got a lot of funding. And then they'd hit the, you know, the, the trade circuit. They'd be National Association of Realtors Conventions. And you guys would hear about them. They do a lot of, you know, online marketing. Agents would sign up. But agents never stopped to actually question whether that company, and this is the reason, guys, frankly, that we shun sponsors. In general, it, it is very rare that Julie and I will have a, a sponsor or very rare that we'll have somebody who's trying to sell you something as a guest on the podcast. And I get solicited. I get these emails directly. Probably no exaggeration between, uh, I bet you 15 to 20 times a day, I get somebody who's emailing at usually through some sort of, you know, pseudo agency asking to be a guest on our podcast. And they're telling me about their whiz bang idea, or they're an investor telling me how they flipped a billion houses before they were 14, whatever it is. And, and like, what the hell? You guys really think that I'm going to allow you to have influence on our coach or on our coaching clients and our future coaching clients and our podcast listeners? No way. No. And then sometimes what I'll do if I find somebody that's interesting who I might want to have on the podcast is I'll then go in online and I'll do research. I'll go and find out how long their website's been around. I'll actually try to do some preliminary information seeking prior to even engaging with them just, just to talk with as to whether or not I want to have them on the show. 99.9% of the time, even when I get a very elegant uh, proposal from someone wanting to be on our show, I will then will do the research and I'll find out basically their website and their whiz bang idea. It's all fakery. They've all be, they've created this. It was just hatched yesterday, or you know, hatched la- last year. And what they're doing is they're use they're, they're saying, for example, I have so many followers, or I have so many people on Instagram, or you you know you have me on your show. I'm gonna you know share it with my billions of followers or whatever. That means absolutely nothing. If you guys think that means something, you are delusional because you can buy all of that. If you want a bunch of Instagram followers, if you want a bunch of Twitter followers, if you want a bunch of this, that, the other thing, you can buy it. And that's what these guys are doing because they're trying to fool you into believing, using obviously social proof, that they are of worthy, they're worthy of listening to. Otherwise, why would these other people not be listening to them? You guys get it? That's what's happened. And if you're not very discerning, and so when you're going through the process of decision making of who you're going to listen to, be incredibly critical because if you listen to somebody and you follow their advice for 60 or 90 days, that could very well be 60 to 90 days completely lost. What's worse is that might those lost you know months might then actually cause your trajectory for your whole year to come off the rails. It can definitely wreck the whole year. I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And and a lot, I mean a lot of the biggest time waste. Oh, here I'll I'll tell you guys the <laughs> the basic rules for whether it's something you should completely ignore. If they're trying to sell you leads, 
I would put that on the ignore uh, status until you can buy leads after you've learned how to proactively lead generate. Because what I know from experience is that you won't buy leads once you've learned how to proactively lead generate because you'll realize that leads are easy to generate. Okay, there's the first one. So anybody that's trying to sell you leads, you got to say no. Just just say no. Remember from the 80s? Leads, just say no. That's right. Or impressions. So that's my favorite. Oh, yeah, I know. It's all gimmicks. What does that even mean, right? Anybody is trying to sell you branding. There's another thing. Branding is insidious because you can't hold whoever's trying to sell you the branding accountable for results. Okay, so I have to say in the past, oh, I don't know, two weeks, maybe even 30 days, I've seen, sometimes I go to the, like the realtor Facebook pages to see what, what's on everybody's minds and just kind of the get zeitgeist. a feel for it. And oh my goodness, some of the things, and they'll say like, I just paid this person in charge of my branding to hire this photographer that wants to do these lifestyle pictures. Right. right. Okay. Now I'm all for not doing the typical standard issue realtor headshot, which also there's like 5 million, which headshot? And I'll be honest, I like seeing people with their dogs, but that is not no, what but, you should be but, spending but your money on. Some of the stuff I've seen, there was one I remember was, um, the agent was like 20 something. He was wearing jeans with both knees torn out, tennis shoes. And he was like squatting on the back of the trunk of his car at a gas station. And it's like, is he robbing the place? Like my first impression is like, this is somehow professional. It, it just wasn't even related to being a real estate But But it, it's so much worse than that. bonkers. There are agents that were so you know, like enamored with TikTok. I like, know. Like somehow watching a middle-aged man do some dance to some rap video no. in a suit and tie, it, you know, carrying real estate sign, to think that that's what you should be doing with your time. I, look, it was funny, but it wasn't funny in the way he meant it to be funny. <laughs> no, and some of the women's shots, too, are just like, you know, honestly, what are you selling here? This is not even remotely business appropriate. <laughs> and, and this, I mean, it is worse now because of social. But I remember if you Because recall, nobody's telling them not Because they don't silly. know. And, right. And because it gets so much action. What is it? I might be remembering this wrong, but I think you and I were listening to a podcast and they were talking about how some of the Instagram backdrops, like here I am in front of my private jet. Oh yeah, was oh like yeah, yeah, yeah. made up. Did no, I where, get that where, right? No, no. Where'd we hear that? I can't remember where that was. Was that was that Joe Rogan? Maybe it was. Maybe it was Joe's. Okay, so here was the story. Yeah, I think that was it. So there are uh, LA-based um, Instagrammers, like who, influencer types. Right? Yeah, influencer types yeah. who have basically that that industry of you know essentially influencing. You know, uh, that has become such a thing that they've actually started creating sets that make it look like this is my mansion. Oh, and I'm inside of a jet. You know, because if you want to have a picture of you inside of a jet, you have to go charter a jet or you have to basically not beg. Anymore. Right, not anymore. So now you can rent time. I think it was $60 for an hour and you're oh. sitting on a fake private jet. To make jet your fake lifestyle up. To make your fake lifestyle up. And yet, how many people, how many impressionable, you know, uninformed uh, agents are watching all that stuff and say that person must be worth listening to. Look at that. They have a damn jet. Are they at least able to, you know, ride on a jet? Guys, listen, you got to be really discerning. Your common sense should tell you that before you hire anybody to do, you know, any sort of training and have any sort of you know, real influence, you know, in the truest sense on your future and your real estate business, you've got to be ultra picky on who you're going to listen to. And by the way, here's a little, you know, poison pill to all of this. Just because somebody was successful at selling real estate does not mean they know how to coach you to be successful at real estate. Those two things, it is an incredibly rare thing to find somebody who can do at a high level that then can teach other people to do at a high level. Most of the people that are teaching people to do have never done it. 
That's very true. Right. So to find somebody that's actually sold real estate at a high level and then actually can teach agents at a high level how to replicate what they did, they're only in the industry. And this is the reason, frankly, when you guys look and you can Google for this, the top real estate coaches, talk podcasts, the same maybe three names come up continuously. Obviously, Julie and I, um, you know, and there's a couple others and that's it. Because most of these other people, I think there's maybe realistically, there's five of us in the industry who are real coaches, who have real decades long experiences, who actually sold, you know, thousands and thousands of houses. The rest are fake. They're fake. I mean, learning to coach, because we have hair certified coaches that do different coaching things for us. And it's interesting because I see them realize that learning to actually get results and be a great coach is a completely different skill set than just kicking ass at real estate. There, it's it's, it's way harder and science and it's so much more work. It's harder. Think. It's not just setting the example. And in fact, sometimes that intimidates the coaching client so that they are not open to I mean, it's like yep. a whole thing. You have to really know your client and, you know, not every call is the same. People are motivated in different ways. Different things make them tick. This is why we have the treasure map so that your goals are based on what you want. Not just because you saw something on Instagram and thought, well, if that person has it, I should be able to have it. That's not real. You've got to personalize and internalize it, and then you actually will achieve it because it's real and it's part of you. Look, guys, I know that we're, and sometimes, you know, especially Julie, she's way too direct and rude. <laughs> Ranty mode. <laughs> but really, I realize that we're, it, it, this is unusual to be hearing uh, someone like Julie and I say what we say. But here's the problem. And I know everything in, in life is nowadays supposed to be, you know, unicorns and rainbows and everyone's happy and gets along and we all basically say motivational things and pass along the same but the reality of it is is if you really want to be successful in life it's not really all that mindset motivation stuff it's the exact opposite it's doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level taking action right and if you want to build a real long frankly listen to the podcast we did just this earlier this week on wealth building you definitely need to drill down on that but you're going to have to be incredibly selective on who you listen to. Otherwise, you're going to listen to the wrong people. It could ruin – look, I mean I was saying 90 days, but really it could ruin your life. If you – I don't care what stage you are in your real estate business, but let's say you're somebody that's been in the business for a long time. And let's say you're being honest and you have not, you're not financially where you'd hoped you'd be. In essence, you're not moving the needle financially. Maybe your house is appreciating. But other than that, you're really not accumulating any wealth. You've got to ask yourself why. You've got to be – you got to own that because if you go to, let's say you've been in the business for 10 years, go and add up all the money that you've earned in the last 10 years and look what you've got to show for it. If you don't have a lot to show for your efforts in terms of actually accumulated net worth, you need to own the fact that you don't know how to accumulate net worth. And is it because the people you listen to for your advice or maybe have listened to along the way for what to do in real estate, they were telling you things that were absolute profit destroyers? And is that the reason why that you are not essentially financially successful in the truest sense? You know, you're not rich where your money works for you. You no longer work for your money. Is it just simply because you've been on the wrong path for a while? I know that's painful to admit. And I know that's hard to accept that sometimes you need to do a course correction. But man, is there not a better time of year than now to do that? Um, it, it's okay. It's, it's an old saying. I don't know who said this. There's a difference between quitting and quitting while you're ahead, right? So for you, a lot of you, you need to really say, you know what? All this gimmicky stuff that maybe I've been doing for the last 
you know, 36, 48 months when all this social stuff has really been at a fever, really longer than that, but you get the gist of it. Maybe I need to really be honest and accept the fact that all that time, nah, maybe I'm not ready to say it's been wasted, but I know it hasn't been getting me the results that I want. How much time are you spending on trying to be an influencer and not trying to actually have true influence? In other words, the influence that comes from uh, essentially solving other people's problems by helping them buy or sell real estate. There is a huge difference. And like the whole branding thing, just so you guys be super clear about these differences with Julie and I's philosophy of business and life, frankly. Branding, in essence, is you being sold and told that you can actually shortcut um essentially having a good reputation. That's what branding is trying to convince you you can do. You can well, you're trying to buy your reputation. Right. You can't. I promise you, you can't. That's a lie. You can have the fanciest branding ever, but if you don't have a long-term, you know, look, long-term could be 12 or 24 months. I just told you about Rob Johnson. I think he's only been selling real estate for five or six years, and he's one of the top agents in the country, probably like one of the top 20 agents in the country. He's only been selling for five or six years. And by the way, Julie and I have been coaching him that whole time right? Now, you may not have heard of Rob Johnson. He doesn't spend a lot of time on his brand and branding, but he has got a stellar reputation. He's become the number one agent in one of the, if not the toughest luxury real estate markets on planet Earth, Greenwich, Connecticut. That's where he has learned to dominate in five or six years. And he's done it from building a reputation of somebody who's honest and get the job done no matter what the market conditions are. Whereas what a lot of you are seduced into believing is that you do a lot of social, if you make yourself into an influencer, if you spend a lot of money on your brand, that somehow you're going to fool people into believing that you have an equivalent reputation of someone who's actually earned it from actually having sold lots of real estate. You can't. That won't happen. That's a lie. And the marketing and branding companies that are selling all this to you, their job isn't to worry about whether you get results. Their job is to sell you on the dream that you can essentially shortcut the real work of having built a real valuable reputation by buying your branding. I think it's even worse because let's say that somebody actually calls from some of that branding and then you show up <laughs> without your skills. Yeah. Like it's, it makes it so much harder. Right. Then if if maybe you just uh, called them or maybe it was a referral or whatever and they don't quite know what to expect versus expecting like, like, where's your jet? So here, I'll tell you, <laughs> you, know? you, you just said something so. that's funny. So uh, a lot of the Bravo TV stars from L.A. and from New York, Julie and I have coached some of them. They've been on our podcast. You guys are a long time. Show. Yeah, you guys have uh, you know been listening to us for a while. You know, we're closely connected with a lot of those guys. But I'll tell you something that's funny. Most of them had never sold real estate prior to being TV shows. All right, Tarek, who I did an interview with recently, uh, the home flipper guy, and he said this on the interview, which was awesome. And I, we've been connected with him for ages. Um, but he never had flipped a single house before basically he got us hired for the job with him and his uh, ex-wife of doing the house flipping show. It's all fake. Yeah. Well, what people don't know is that the idea for the show happens before the agent. Right. Right. They actually go out saying, you know, we got this idea. We want to do this. I think one of them was like haunted house flipping and like, like people will watch that. Let's find some agents to do it. I'd watch that. Probably. Flipping on a house. <laughs> I don't know. But, but I, I think, I mean, Frederick Eklund is the real deal. Um, of all of those guys, I think he's got a pretty kick-ass I agree. But the, the others of them? But the, the rest of the crowd I, is kind of... I was coaching one of them in uh, New York, and um, I was, like, trying to tread on, you know, I was, didn't want to... I didn't know what I was dealing with. And then after a few phone calls, he basically conceded that he didn't know how to do shit. And basically, he was hired because he was good looking. <laughs> he knew all this about himself, and he was and he was uh, had you know the pizzazz on the screen, which he absolutely did. 
Um, yeah, but and he was more of an actor and less of a role He was an actor. And, and so I had to teach him the most basic core things. He didn't even know what a short sale was. Now, this was years ago, right? In, in, during when he should have known what a short sale was. He didn't know how to do anything. And it turns out the only thing he was really doing, despite what the TV show would have you believe, is leases. He was only doing leases. I remember that. And I don't know this for sure, but I've been told by a number of people in Manhattan who have his coaching clients that Barbara Corkin, she never really personally sold real estate. Most of her uh, success, and she's been incredibly successful, obviously, um, is, was from doing leases. Now, again, there's nothing That's wrong with that, but on the TV shows and whatnot, are you being led to believe this person's successful at selling real estate or you know, being a rental agent? Again, you really have to drill down and you really have to be very careful who you listen to because you can ruin all your potentiality if you latch on to the wrong person or the wrong sets of ideas. And you can go down a wrong, uh, the wrong road and then the real pain happens on the other side of it. When you start to realize you're on the wrong path, maybe you realize it voluntarily or involuntary through failure, then the destruction of your personal willpower and confidence in your ability to be successful may never come back. And that's what we see a lot of times when people will come to coaching. Now, the ones that do have gone through the sort of the, you know, burn and crash and burn cycle, they are very receptive to coaching because you don't have to convince them of all the dumb things not to do because they've already done them. And they'll often say that, which is kind of, you know, fantastic, honestly. But I don't think you have to actually have experienced the failure before you can experience success. It was Warren Buffett that's famous for saying, Open, I got to get on a Zoom. It's Warren Buffett that was famous for saying, um, you know, America loves to celebrate the comeback story. I like to celebrate the person that built it and never lost it. And so you guys can do the same thing if you follow the right path, if you listen to the right leaders. This isn't just true for hiring a real estate coach. This is true for all aspects of life. So be incredibly picky, especially in this age of fake experts as fake influencers. Just be incredibly picky. You know, I honestly think if I were in my 20s right now, I don't, I'm not sure. I know I wouldn't have been smart enough to know who to listen to. No, it's super confusing. Do you remember the first time? I'll get, you know, we're on our little soapbox here. Mm-hmm. But I remember you and I, when we became Howard Britton stars, mm-hmm. and I just talked, I just met somebody who we uh, essentially became a Howard Britton star at the same time. I hadn't, Jeff Wilhelms, and we, had, we hadn't talked to him forever. It was incredible, actually. Uh, Great group of 25 people. years. Yeah. yeah. So, so we won't, the Howard Britton at the d- in the day was like being uh, a knight of the round table in essence. If you were selected to be a Howard Britton star, it was at the time, I, I mean, arguably the greatest honor in real estate. You got to be, there was, this was pre-internet, right? So he, he would uh, fly to you. You would do this interview it was very sort of Larry King meets, you know, somebody a lot nicer and you would do this interview and then the interview would be sent directly in cd actually originally it was tapes and then yes, eventually cassettes. The, in cassettes and eventually it became cds because that was the latest technology i remember people <laughs> bitching that they're getting cds and they didn't have cd players in their cars <laughs> do you remember that Gosh, you're uh, old. i know well you kind of are sister yeah, you're older. okay well okay. but i remember when we finally became howard britain stars it was not that finally it was after a yeah. second year but he, he found out about us. We had, you know, sold a lot of houses and whatever. So he asked us to be Howard Britton stars. Of course we were. It was September of, I don't remember what year. And so then we were then privy to go to the Howard Britton star uh, 
uh, mastermind. Now, that was the real reason we wanted to be Howard Stars. And they always happened in January. They always happened at the Ritz-Carlton. And they always happened in some expensive area of the world. By the way, did you know that where we live right now, the Ritz-Carlton here has the highest per night room rate of any Ritz-Carlton in the world? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's so crazy. make sure when you huh. invite people to come visit us, you yeah. maybe tell them to look on VRBO. Indeed. Yeah. So in any event, so um, we would always go to the Howard Brinton events at Ritz-Carlton and spend some extraordinary amount of money and sort of like be worrying about it the whole time because it was so ridiculous. And they were always fun. But our whole point of going to this was to be in the room with these agents that were, you know, Howard Brinton stars, the biggest producers in the world. And Julie and I went, and our North Star has always been wealth accumulation. We didn't want to get into real estate to build a big team just to basically have no ability to really accumulate any wealth or for the grand, you know, to be, uh, you know, big famous people or that was that was never our motivation our motivation also always was to focus in on being successful profitable business owners and so we didn't have all these you know terms that we now throw around um refined and defined but we did know that at the end of the day our product was profit and we did know and we did buy lots of rental properties and we've kept all but maybe two okay so that we were very clear about that but what was shocking to me and we didn't realize this until maybe our second or third Howard Britton event so we figured on the first one well they're just not inviting us to the real meetings <laughs> where they're really talking about wealth accumulation where they're really talking about the real meat and potatoes of what it takes to be you know millionaires ten, deca millionaires billionaires we've thought well, we'll just have to earn their trust. And then we went to these things for a couple more years. And then we realized there was no deeper conversation going on anywhere. It wasn't happening. And these people were not, and God bless all of them. Some of them are still our friends. The vast majority were not focused on anything other than essentially lifestyle. They were the typical, you know, this was when the the advent of teams, these Howard Britton's uh, was the, where the, essentially all the birthing of the modern team philosophy came from. And these people, a lot of them were uh, actually featured in um, millionaire um, real estate agent. And they're on, I think like the page five, when you look at that uh, picture, that black and white picture of all the people that helped Howard put that uh, book together, they're all Howard stars. I'm sorry, Gary put the book together. They're all Howard stars. And that's where Gary got most of the uh, ideas for that book is from Howard Brenton. He, he admits that, and it's no big secret, right? And so, again, what those businesses had become and were becoming were not focused on profit. They were focused on lifestyle, being famous, being peacocks. And that was not for us. And I'm, I, I remember going to those. It was painful. I remember after a few years, you and I having this sense of searching for, like, that's it? Yep, it isn't wasn't there, there. Isn't there more? Isn't there? Is there somebody that can show us that path? And I, they, I remember feeling that feeling. Disappointment, and they yeah. and the thing became to brag about how few hours you work. Yeah, the thing became brag about how many people you've delegated to, how big your team was. That was the thing, and then people would show up with uh, more and more diamonds on their Rolexes. You know, and all the it rest really of it. It really happened. It really happened. And all of a sudden, the market changes. And then you see that the king had no clothes on. Then you see when the cash flow stops, then you heard all these tragic stories of all these highfalutin agents. A lot I, of them. I remember you know, that, too. I so, remember hearing about people's tax troubles and bankruptcies. bankruptcies it's like that's not, and it's like Julie and I were, wow, we are not into this. And we stopped going. We stopped yeah. going to the hired events because we realized that was not the path we wanted to follow, even though it was seductive. Like, I remember... Julie and I sold 103 houses our first year. And we did, it was Julie and I, right? That was it. No team. And I remember we started going to the Howard things and we were getting so much pressure 
on doing things the wrong way. And we were too dumb to know that we shouldn't listen to them. And we actually did it for like a year to two years. Oh, you've got to add buyer agents. So you've yeah. got to a team. You've got to start doing marketing. You've got to start doing direct mail. You've got to start doing this, the other thing. And we did it because we figured they knew better than us. And they didn't. They didn't know better than us. What was really happening is stopping the profit. Yeah, that's what happened. I remember it was um, into maybe our fifth year or sixth year in real estate, something like that, that our accountant comes by our house. And this time we had a really beautiful house in New Albany, uh, country club area. And he came in and he showed, he didn't really, you know, he wasn't like calling us dumbasses, but he said, <laughs> he pointed out the fact was implied. that our profit was less after having sold like, you know, two and a half X the number of homes that we did our first year or something like that, that our net profit was actually less than our first year in real estate where we really didn't know what we were doing. I we know, made... and he was like, did you know about this? Yes, yeah, yeah, so he said. <laughs> I remember looking at the numbers going, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I had, you know, because we were following uh, essentially a business model that was not uh, putting profit first. Yeah, but, you know, at the time it felt like the right thing to do because everybody was doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, We were peer pressured. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people do it for the recognition and because it does make you feel good and because it's doing ego. a lot of – It's ego, you know. And I recognize that doing a lot of transactions and dealing with a lot of people and their situations and their conflict is stressful. But the solution is not to go blow your profit. That's right. Well, you have to have profit in the first place. Indeed. Yes. So and let's, you have a Zoom to get to. I so do. I do. We should I, warn them about the Sunday show coming up. Oh, what are we talking about? I, we don't know yet. That's the whole point of the Sunday oh, show. I thought maybe you had a bunch of goofy articles <laughs> no, saved. I okay. have to collect some more. Oh, no, you do have one. Okay. Oh, did, I, did you read that article about uh, aliens? The one. Yes. That, oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Okay. We have a good alien. So one of our perennial topics. Yeah. Our joke is basically we've had everything else happen in 2020 except an alien visitation. And now there's other people that have latched on to that. What a goofy ass year this has been. Right. And how we, the only thing missing are the aliens. And so now people are starting to theorize that we're going to be visited by aliens. It's so amazing to watch this. I mean, this. why not? It's 2020. I mean, seriously. Throw that on there. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I don't know what that would do to, you know, uh, can you imagine, honestly? Okay, let's you know save what? it for I, Sunday. I think people, yeah, we'll save it for Sunday. But honestly, at this point, I think people will be like, whatever. <laughs> you know, of course. What am I supposed to do about it? Yeah, so, exactly. So know. in the meantime, guys, um, if you would like to talk with us about joining our EXP family, do feel free to text me directly on my private cell phone, which is 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. Do feel free to, uh, to text me directly. And let's have a conversation about why eXp is definitely the right move forward for you in your real estate business, 512-758-0206. And do listen to our Sunday podcast. We have a lot of fun. Um, we talk about pretty much whatever comes to mind. And we do, Julie and I do uh, seek out usually non-real estate things just to spice things up and keep your, you know, your mental juices flowing. Please do remember, do not coast in fourth quarter. Do not take the rest of the year off. Stay focused. If you guys need us for anything, you know how to find us. In the meantime, have a fantastic day and we'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. Remember, you can listen to literally thousands of past podcasts on Stitcher, iTunes, Audible, Spotify. I mean, we're available everywhere. Have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.